Before we begin this audio drama, the Antony and Cleopatra team acknowledges and pays respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which our podcast was written and recorded, the land of the Kulin Nations. Antony and Cleopatra pays respect to Elders past, present and emerging. We recognise and respect their continuing culture and the contributions they make and have made to the creative arts with their rich storytelling traditions. We ask you, our audience, to seek out these stories when you have finished this podcast. Sovereignty was never ceded and a treaty was never signed. This always has and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Antony and Cleopatra. I'm Steph. And I'm James. And we are your hosts for this audio drama. Episodes will be released weekly here on Spotify. This show was created with support from the Monash Shakespeare Company, directed by Harry Naropis, produced by Oliver Scholast, with assistance from Natalie Trong, stage managed and marketed by Jasmine Tran, and sound designed by Patrick Edwards and Mitch Athanasiou. Our cast for this episode. I'm Stephanie and I'll be voicing Philo. I'm Angelina and I'll be voicing Cleopatra. I'm Atticus, and I'll be voicing Antony. I'm Sarah, and I'll be voicing the Messenger and the Soothsayer. I'm James, I'm voicing Demetrius. I'm Tash, and I'll be voicing Charmian. I'm Samuel, and I'll be voicing Alexis and Second Messenger. Hi, I'm Spencer, and I'll be voicing Inabarbus. My name is Georgia Kate Bell, and I'll be voicing Iris. I'm Caitlin, and I'll be reading the role of Caesar. Hi, I'm Alex, and I am voicing Lepidus. I'm Lauren, and I'm voicing Mardian. I'm Matt, and I'm playing Pompey. In this episode, Antony discovers that even in his imagined paradise with Cleopatra in Egypt, he cannot escape his duties in Rome. The episode is about to begin. Please enjoy. Alexandria. Nay, but this dotage of our generals o'erflows the measure. Those his goodly eyes that o'er the files and musters of the war have glowed like plated Mars, now bend, now turn the office and devotion of their view upon a tawny front. His captain's heart, which in the scuffles of great fights hath burst the buckles on his breast, reneges all temper and is become the bellows and the fan to cool a gypsy's lust. Look, where they come, take but good note, and you shall see in him the triple pillar of the world transformed into a strumpet's fool. Behold and see. If it be love indeed, tell me how much. There's beggary in the love that can be reckoned. I'll set a burn how far to be beloved. Then must thou needs find out new heaven, new earth. News, my good lord, from Rome. Uh, grates me. 
The sum... Nay, hear them, Antony. Fulvia perchance is angry, or who knows if the scarce-bearded Caesar have not sent his powerful mandate to you. Do this or this. Take in that kingdom and enfranchise that. Perform it, or else we damn thee. <laughs> How, my love? Perchance, nay, and most like. You must not stay here longer. Your dismission is come from Caesar, therefore hear it, Antony. Where's Fulvia's process? Caesar's, I would say? Both? Call in the messengers. As I am Egypt's queen, thou blushest, Antony, and that blood of thine is Caesar's homager. Else thy cheek pays shame when shrill-tongued Fulvia scolds. The messengers? Ah, let Roman Tiber melt and the wide arch of the ranged empire fall. Here is my space. Kingdoms are clay. Our dungy earth alike feeds beast as man. The nobleness of life is to do thus, when such a mutual pair and such a twain can do it, in which I bind, on pain of punishment, the world to wheat we stand up peerless. Excellent falsehood. Why did he marry Fulvia and not love her? I'll seem the fool I am not. Antony will be himself. But stirred by Cleopatra. Now, for the love of love and her soft hours, let's not confound the time with conference harsh. There's not a minute of our lives should stretch without some pleasure now. What sport tonight? Mm, hear the ambassadors. Ah, fire-angling queen, whom everything becomes to chide, to laugh, to weep, whose every passion fully strives to make itself in thee fair and admired. No messenger but thine. And all alone tonight will wander through the streets and note the qualities of people. Come, my queen. Last night you did desire it. Speak not to us. Is Caesar with Antonius prized so slight? Sir, sometimes, when he is not Antony, he comes too short of that great property which still should go with Antony. I am full sorry that he approves the common liar, who thus speaks of him at Rome, but I will hope of better deeds tomorrow. The next day. Lord Alexis, sweet Alexis, most anything Alexis, almost most absolute Alexis, where's the soothsayer that you pray so to the Queen? Oh, that I knew this husband. Uh, soothsayer. Your will. Is this the man? Isn't you, sir, that no fits? In nature's infinite book of secrecy, a little I can read. Show him your hand. Bring in the banquet quickly. Wine enough Cleopatra's health to drink. Charmian gives her hand to the soothsayer. Good, sir, give me good fortune. I make not, but foresee. Pray, then, foresee me one. You shall be yet far fairer than you are. He means in flesh. No, you shall paint when you're old. Wrinkles forbid. Vex not his prescience. Be attentive. Hush! You shall be more beloving than beloved. I'd rather heat my liver with drinking. Nay, hear him. Good, now some excellent fortune. Let me be married to three kings in a forenoon and widow them all. Let me have ch a child of fifty, to whom Herod of Jerusalem may do homage, find me married with Octavius Caesar, and companion me with my mistress. You shall outlive the lady whom you serve. Oh, excellent. I love long life better than figs. 
you have seen and proved a fairer form of fortune than that which is to approach. Then be like my children, shall I have no names? Prithee, how many boys and wenches must I have? If every of your wishes had a womb, and fertile every wish, a million. Out, fool! I forgive thee for a witch. You think none but your sheets are privy to your wishes. Nay, come, tell Iris hers. We'll all know our fortunes. Mine, and most of our fortunes tonight shall be drunk to bed. Iris gives her hand to the soothsayer. There's a palm presses chastity, if nothing else. E'en as the overflowing nilius presageth famine. Go, you wild bedfellow, you cannot soothsay. <sighs> Nay, if an oily palm not be fruitful prognostication, I cannot scratch my ear. Prithee, tell her but a workaday fortune. Your fortunes are alike. But how? But how? Give me particulars. I have said. Am I not an inch of fortune better than she? Well, if you were but an inch of fortune better than I, where would you choose it? Not in my husband's nose. A worse of thoughts heavens mend. Alexis, come, his fortune, his fortune. I'll let him marry a woman that cannot go. Sweet Isis, I beseech thee, and let her die too. And give him a worse, and let worse follow worse till the worst of all of him laughing follow him in his grave. Good Isis, hear this prayer, I beseech thee. Amen, dear goddess, hear the prayer of the people. For as it is a heartbreaking to see a handsome man loose-wived, so it is a dealt sorrow, roe behold, a foul knave uncuckled. Therefore, dear Isis, keep decorum and fortune him accordingly. Amen. Lo now, if it lay in their hands to make me a cuckold, they would make themselves whores, but they'll do it. Hush, here comes Antony. Not he, the queen. Saw you, my lord? No, lady. Was he not here? No, madam. He was disposed to mirth, but on the sudden a Roman thought hath struck him. Anabarbus? Madam. Seek him, and bring him hither. Where's Alexis? Here, at your service. My lord approaches. We will not look upon him. Go with us. Fulvia, thy wife first, came into the field. Against my brother Lucius. Aye, but soon that war had end, and the time state made friends of them, joining their force against Caesar, whose better issue in the war from Italy upon the first encounter drove them. Well, what worse? The nature of bad news infects the teller. When it concerns the fool or coward, on, things that are past are done with me. Tis thus. Who tells me true, though in his tale lie death, I hear him as he flattered. Labinus, oh, this is stiff news, hath with his Parthian force extended Asia from Euphrates. His conquering banner shook from Syria to Lydia and to Ionia, whilst- Antony, thou wouldst say. Oh, my lord. Speak to me, her mince not the general tongue. Name Cleopatra as she is called in Rome. Rail thou in Fulvia's phrase, and taunt my faults with such full license as both truth and malice have power to utter. Fare thee well a while. At your noble pleasure. Ah, from Sicyon, ho, oh, the news, speak there. <sighs> These strong Egyptian fetters I must break or lose myself in dotage. 
What are you? Fulvia, thy wife, is dead. Where died she? In Sicyon. Her length of sickness, with what else more serious, importeth thee to know, this bears. The messenger gives a letter to Antony. Forbear me. There's a great spirit gone. Thus did I desire it. But our contempt doth often hurl from us, we wish it ours again. The present pleasure, by revolution lowering, does become the opposite of itself. She's good being gone. The hand could pluck her back that shoved her on. I'm, I must from this enchanting queen break off. Ten thousand harms more than the ills I know my idleness doth hatch. What's your pleasure, sir? I must with haste from hence. Why? Well, then we kill all our women? We see how mortal an unkindness is to them. If they suffer our departure, death's the word. I must be gone. Under a compelling occasion, let women die. Cleopatra catching but the least noise of this dies instantly. I have seen her die twenty times upon far poorer moments. I do think there is metal in death which commits some loving act upon her. Mm. She had such a celerity in dying. She is cunning past man's thought. Oh, alack, sir, no. Her passions are made of nothing but the finest part of pure love. We cannot call her winds and waters, sighs and tears. They are greater storms and tempests than almanacs can report. This cannot be cunning in her. If it be, she makes a shower of rain as well as Jove. Ah, uh, would I had never seen her. Now, sir, you had then left unseen a wonderful piece of work. Fulvia is dead. Sir? Fulvia is dead. Fulvia? Dead. Why, sir, give the gods a thankful sacrifice. If there were no more women but Fulvia, then had you indeed a cut, and the case to be lamented. This grief is crowned with consolation. Your old smock brings forth a new petticoat, and indeed the tears live in an onion that should water this sorrow. The business she hath broached in the state cannot endure my absence. And the business you have broached here cannot be without you, especially that of Cleopatra's, which wholly depends on your abode. No more light answers! That our officers have noticed what we propose. I shall break the cause of our expedience to the Queen and get her leave to part. Where is he? I did not see him since. See where he is, Alexis, who's with him, what he does. I did not send you. If you find him sad, say that I am dancing. If in mirth, report that I am sudden sick. Quick, and return. Madam, methinks if you did love him dearly, you do not hold the method to enforce the like from him. What should I do I do not? In each thing give him way, cross him in nothing. Thou teachest like a fool the way to lose him. Tempt him not so too far. I wish, forbear, in time we hate that which we often fear. But here comes Antony. I am sick and sullen. I am sorry to give breathing to my purpose. Help 
Help me away, dear Charmian. I shall fall. It cannot be thus long. The sides of nature will not sustain it. Now, my dearest queen. Pray you, stand further from me. What's the matter? I know by that same eye there's some good news. What says the married woman? You may go. Would she have never given you leave to come? Let her not say it is I that keep you here. I have no power upon you. Hers you are. The gods best know. Oh, never was there a queen so mightily betrayed. Yet at the first I saw the treasons planted. Cleopatra. Why should I think you can be mine and true, though you in swearing shake the throned gods who have been false to Fulvia? Righteous madness to be entangled with those mouth-made vows which break themselves in swearing. A most sweet queen. Nay, pray you, seek no colour for your going, but bid farewell and go. When you sued staying, then, then was the time for words. No going then. Eternity was in our lips and eyes, bliss in our brows bent. None are parts so poor but was a race of heaven. They are so still, or thou, the greatest soldier of the world, art turned the greatest liar. How now, lady? I would I had thy inches. Thou shouldst know there were a heart in Egypt. Hear me, queen! The strong necessity of time commands our services a while, but my full heart remains in use with you. Our Italy shines o'er with civil swords. Sextus Pompeius makes his approaches to the port of Rome. Equality of two domestic powers breeds scrupulous faction. The condemned Pompey, rich in his father's honor, creeps apace into the hearts of such as have not thrived under the present state, whose numbers threaten. My more particular, and that which most with you should save my going, is Fulvia's death. Though age from folly could not give me freedom, it does from childishness. Can Fulvia die? Antony offers the letter to Cleopatra. She's dead, my queen. Look here, and at thy sovereign leisure read the garboils she awaked. At the last best, see when and where she died. Almost false love. There be the sacred vials thou shouldst fill with sorrowful water. Now I see, I see in Fulvia's death how mine received shall be. Quarrel no more, but be prepared to know the purposes I bear, which are or cease, as you shall give the advice. By the fire that quickens Nihilus slime, I go from hence thy soldier, servant, making peace or war as thou effectest. Cut my lace, Charmian, come. But let it be. I am quickly ill and well, so Antony loves. Ah, my precious queen, forbear, and give true evidence to his love, which stands an honourable trial. So Fulvia told me, I prithee turn aside and weep for her, then bid adieu to me, and say the tears belong to Egypt. Good now, play one scene of excellent dissembling and let it look like perfect honour. You'll heat my blood no more. You can do better yet, but this is meatly. Now buy my sword! And target. Still he mends, but this is not the best. Look, prithee, Charmian, how this Herculean Roman does become the carriage of his chase. I'll leave you, lady! Courteous lord, one word. Sir, you and I must part, but that's not it. Sir, you and I have loved, but there's not it. That you know well. Something it is I would... Oh, my oblivion is a very Antony, and I am all forgotten. But that your royalty holds idleness your subject, I should take you for idleness itself. 
Tis sweating labour to bear such idleness so near the heart as Cleopatra this. But, sir, forgive me, since my becomings kill me when they do not eye well to you. Your honour calls you hence. Therefore be deaf to my unpitied folly, and all the gods go with you. Upon your sword sit laurel victory, and smooth success be strewed before your feet. Let us go. Come, our separation so abides and flies, that thou, residing here, goest yet with me, and I, hence fleeting, here remain with thee. Away! Rome, a busy council forum. Caesar is reading a letter. You may see Lepidus, and henceforth know it is not Caesar's natural vice to hate our great competitor. From Alexandria, this is the news. He fishes, drinks, and wastes the lamps of night and revel. Is not more manlike than Cleopatra, nor the Queen of Ptolemy more womanly than he? Hardly gave audience or vouchsafe to think he had partners. You shall find there a man who is the abstract of all faults that all men follow. I must not think there are evils enow to darken all his goodness. His faults in him seem as the spots of heaven, more fiery by night's blackness, hereditary rather than purchased, what he cannot change than what he chooses. You are too indulgent. Let us grant it is not amiss to tumble on the bed of Ptolemy, to give a kingdom for a mirth, to sit and keep the turn of tippling with a slave, to reel the streets at noon and stand the buffet with knaves that smell of sweat. Say this becomes him, as his composure must be rare indeed, whom these things cannot blemish. Yet must Anthony no way excuse his soils, when we do bear so great weight in this likeness. But to confound such time that drums him from his sport and speaks as loud as his own state and ours, tis be chid as we rate boys who, being mature in knowledge, pawn their experience to their present pleasure and so rebel to judgment. Hmm. Here's more news. Thy biddings have been done, and every hour, most noble Caesar, shalt thou have report how tis abroad. Pompey is strong at sea. And it appears he is beloved of those that only have feared Caesar. I should have known no less. It hath been taught us from the primal state that he which is was wished until he were, and the ebbed man ne'er loved till ne'er worth love comes deared by being lacked. This common body, like a vagabond flag upon the stream, goes to and back, lacking and varying tide to rot itself with motion. Antony, leave thy lavacious wassels when thou once was beaten from Medina. Wert thou sluiced? Hershius and Panzer consoles at thy keel did famine follow, whom thou foughtest against? Thou daintily bought up with patience more than savages could suffer. Thou didst drink the stale horses and the gilded puddle which beasts would cough at. Thy pallets did not dine the roughest berry on the rudest hedge. Yea, like the stag when snow the pasture sheets and barks of trees thou browsed. On the Alps it is reported thou didst eat strange flesh, 
which some did die to look on, and all this, it wounds thy honour that I speak it now, was born so like a soldier that thy cheek so much as length not. Tis pity of him. Let his shames quickly drive him to Rome. Tis time we twain did show ourselves i the field. And to that end assemble we immediate council. Pompey thrives in our idleness. Tomorrow, Caesar, I shall be furnished to inform you rightly both what by sea and land I can be able to front this present time. Till which encounter it is my business too. Farewell. In Cleopatra's court at Alexandria. Charmian. Madam. Give me to drink Mandragora. Why, madam? Thought I might sleep out this great gap of time my Antony is away. You think of him too much. Oh, tis treason. Madam, I trust not so. Thou, eunuch Mardian. What's your highness's pleasure? I take no pleasure in aught a eunuch has. Hast thou affections? Yes, gracious madam. Indeed. Not indeed, madam, for I can do nothing but what indeed is honest to be done. Yet I have fierce affections and think what Venus did with Mars. Oh, Charmian, where thinkst thou he is now? Stands he or sits he? Or does he walk? Or is he on his horse? Oh, happy horse to bear the weight of Antony. <laughs> do bravely, horse, for what's thou whom thou movest? The demi-atlas of this earth, the arm and burgonet of men. He's speaking now, or murmuring, Where's my serpent of old Nile? For so he calls me. Now I feed myself with most delicious poison. Broad-fronted Caesar, when thou wast here above the ground, I was a morsel for a monarch. Sovereign of Egypt, hail. How much unlike art thou, Mark Antony? Yet coming from him, the great medicine hath with his tinct gilded thee. How goes it with my brave Mark Antony? Uh, last thing he did, dear queen, he kissed this orient pearl. His speech sticks in my heart. Mine ear must pluck it thence. Uh, good friend, quoth he, uh, say, the firm Roman to great Egypt sends this treasure of an oyster, at whose foot to mend the petty present I will peace her opulent throne with kingdoms. All the east, say thou, shall call her mistress. So he nodded, and soberly did mount an armed gaunt steed. What, was he sad or merry? Alike to the time of year between the extremes, of hot and cold, he was nor sad nor merry. Oh, well-divided disposition! Note him, note him, good Charmian, tis the man, but note him. He was not sad, for he would shine on those that make their looks by his. He was not merry, which seemed to tell them his remembrance lay in Egypt with his joy, but between both. Oh, heavenly mingle! Meest thou sad or merry, the violence of either thee becomes, so does it no man else. Meet'st thou my posts? Ay, madam, at twenty several messengers. Why do you send so thick? 
who's born that day when I forget to send to Antony shall die a beggar. Ink and paper, Charmian. Did I ever love Caesar so? Oh, that brave Caesar. Be choked with such another emphasis. Say the brave Antony. The valiant Caesar. By Isis, I will give thee bloody teeth if thou wouldst Caesar paragon again, my man of men. By your most gracious pardon, I sing that after you. My salad days, when I was green in judgment, cold in blood to say as I said then. But come, away, get me ink and paper. He shall have every day a several greeting, or I'll unpeople Egypt. A hidden location in Sicily. If the great gods be just, they shall assist the deeds of justest men. We, ignorant of ourselves, beg often our own harms, which the wise powers deny us for our good, so we find profit by losing of our prayers. I shall do well. The people love me, and the sea is mine. My powers are crescent, and my auguring hope says it will come to the full. Mark Antony in Egypt sits at dinner and will make no wars without doors. Caesar gets money where he loses hearts. Lepidus flatters both of both is flattered, but he neither loves nor either cares for him. Caesar and Lepidus are in the field. A mighty strength they carry. Where have you this? Tis false. From Silvius, sir. He dreams. I know they are in Rome together, looking for Antony. Salt Cleopatra. Let witchcraft join with beauty, lust with both. Tie up the libertine in a field of feasts, keep his brain fuming. Epicurean cooks sharpen with cloyless sauce his appetite. That sleep and feeding may prorogue his honour even till a lethe dullness. What ho! The news! I could have given a less matter a better ear. Menace, I did not think this amorous surfeiter would have donned his helm for such a petty war. His soldiership is twice the other twain. I cannot hope Caesar and Anthony shall well greet together. His wife that's dead did trespass to Caesar. His brother warred upon him, although I think not moved by Anthony. I know not, Menace. Our lesser enmities may give way to greater. And the fear of us may cement their divisions and bind up the petty differences. This concludes the first episode of Antony and Cleopatra, an audio drama by the MSC. Thank you to all the cast and crew who made this episode possible. In episode two, Antony returns to Rome to face the consequences of his absence, and Cleopatra, alone in Egypt, receives news of what he had to do to patch things up. What can Antony do to make amends? And how will Cleopatra react? The following episode will be released next week here on Spotify. Thank you to all the cast and crew that have made this episode possible. We've been Steph and James, your hosts. And we hope you have enjoyed the first episode of Antony and Cleopatra.